Okay, so I, I've been posting our TikToks this week, and we actually had one that it ha it is probably our most watched and most reacted to Recently? TikTok yet. Yeah, this week. Okay. It was over 800, 850 views and like 35, 38 reacts. That sounds which, great. For us, yeah, that's wonderful. Uh, but it made me think because it was the Disney no death policy. <laughs> really? I was yeah. actually thinking it was going to be that one. <laughs> so, so here's my question to you guys. If you, you not saying I want this to happen to any of you, but if you could die anywhere in the world, where would you want to die? At Disney. At Disney? Because <laughs> you, you want to die. Yeah. Death policy? <laughs> I want to break that policy. I want them to have to like come up with some bullshit excuse that says he did not die on the property of Disney. And then you guys will be like, it happened. It happened. Well, hold on, I got I got a story that we can we can tell. Okay. Okay. So, uh, I want to say this is Disneyland. There's a a ride called the Carousel of Progress. Um, it is literally a sit down ride where you sit down and there's a stage in front of you. Um, they open the curtains and there's like a little gear or whatever. Well, then as the ride progress, it's a ride. So this is where it becomes a ride. You get through the first scene, and then your seats and everybody else's seats move around, go around a, a big center stage, and there's each scene. Um, so it's um, like you're in the 20s, and then you're in the 30s, and you're in the 40s, and so on and so forth, and you end at the the like in the future. Um, that being said, here's where I think Disney's no death ever happened policy could work because. I don't remember how long ago it was, but there's a story um, before it became the Carousel of Progress. I want to say it was called America Sings. Mm -hmm. um, the girl running the ride got trapped between the spinning wall and the non-spinning wall. Ouch. So there's no way she survived that. She gets smooth. So that had to happen on Disney property. Well, see, what they don't tell you is if somebody dies on that ride, it spins really fast and, like, <laughs> shoots them out. Oh. Well, yeah, jettisons them out of the Off park. property. Yep. Not declared death on the property. I want to What die if you jumped mind. into, like, the lion enclosure at Animal Kingdom or something like that? I don't think you can get to it, honestly. I'm they, just saying, got what it. if? I mean, no, trust me. I mean, it's... They've got, and Disney does a great job of hiding stuff. You're they, ruining you my what if, James. Yeah, no, that, there's probably a good <laughs> 30 to 45 foot moat, and they're yeah. on rocks that are like way above that moat. So, well, what if you swim through the moat? You just really determined to die via lion. You should have gone with them. hippo enclosure because I think you get an easier time getting to the hippos than you could the lions. Those and hippos will, will fuck you up. Yeah, hippos are more deadly than lions. They kill more you people know, than true. lions and gators and stuff. I, I'm telling you, James. Just like, just like uh, Jordan's Iron Man status, yeah. Disney's gonna lose it. Yep. <laughs> uh huh. They're no death <laughs> on the property. I don't care if it's like one of us or something. We're we're finding. <laughs> We're stopping it. We're going to be like, come here, doctor. He did. Mm -hmm. Just bring a doctor with you. And 
Yeah. We're making this happen. James James <laughs> runs up in a lab coat and he's like, I am a doctor. <laughs> that man is, is definitely dead. My well, name is Dr. But these are fictional characters. Fictional characters. Am I getting rude? Ready to see a grown-ass man cry about some Star Wars and Space Wizard? You shall have my... Bombadil. Tom Bombadil walks up and he's basically like, Oi, get off him! And the tree's like, oh my bad. Let's all have a good time and have fun. But Hello everyone and welcome back to the Centerway Society. Oh, that was a weird way to start fuck. it. it smooth, yes. Say, no, 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 come on, come on, come on, keep going with it. Start... <laughs> welcome back to the Centerway Society. Just, we are like radiating... Like, what, what it, you're ruining it no hold on what is it called oh, it's fine Riz? it's fine it's fine yeah. what do the kids um, call it these days riz i i don't know what the, <laughs> the youth say when it comes to this yeah. i'm a 39 year old man that's doing a podcast but yeah. you're radiating with it so much you don't even have a name for stuff it. is radiating off me it's like <laughs> nuclear energy baby mm-hmm. so anyways like uh, welcome back to riz. the centerway society <laughs> uh i'm rob Hello, welcome back to the show. With me, as always, is James. Oh, hello, sir. And Dustin. Uh, hi. And Jordan, who's not here. And uh, Force Ghost Narrator Aaron. And Force Ghost, he's... Force Ghost Narrator Aaron. Yeah, he's he's with us. In Insert Aaron's voice here now. You're completely right, Aaron. <laughs> I gotta do that in post. Whoa. Oh my god, my light just turned purple. Whoa, that was just like insane. That was so weird. Hold on. Like right after we mentioned Force Ghost Aaron. Maybe he is here. Aaron, stop. The dark side (laughs) of the force will seduce you. No, no. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I have my remote control. Oh, that's worse. It's the wrong way. I don't know what's going on anymore. (laughs) My allegiance is to democracy. Anyways, welcome back to the show. Hi, that make we're probably gonna just leave that in just because it's funny. <laughs> uh, but great. we are here to talk about our favorite things. Like we uh, mentioned last week, we are uh, we want to bring some levity and some enjoyment to this show. Uh, so I think every now and then we just need to talk about some of our favorite things about what? you know movies. You don't uh, think whether... Death at Disney is very levity? We want to talk about some of our favorite things about movies, uh, whether it's like fight scenes or uh, just a specific scene that we really enjoy. But today, I, I thought because this was been in my brain for a while now, is I want to talk about some of our favorite monologues in film, whether that is TV, whether it's movies, whatever you want. I mean, it's it just we're just going to talk about some of our favorite actors saying some good words. Um, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. all by like, themselves. Like, is that something you part. guys enjoy about yeah. movies, or is that just something that I'm just like super interested in? It really just kind of depends. I I think. Think... I, I was Go ahead, gonna say because there's like times where it's a perfect monologue or it's something cool, and then there's other times you're just kind of like, okay, you're you're drawing this out. Let's go on. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, it, it needs to be delivered in a certain way. Yeah. for it to be like truly iconic 
And I know Jordan hates that word. We're sorry, Jordan. Uh, but at the same time, it's, it's, some of these monologues are just so good that it makes the movie. It does. So it's a very power play in, in a scene, yeah. you know, like the, the actor comes in and takes command and kind of puts everybody in their place sometimes, you know? Yeah. And honestly, a lot of it, it, it can drive the movie and drive certain points that you may not have seen and make it work. So, mm -hmm. and, uh, probably where I would like to start is, uh, someone who was not really known for their dramatic chops although they had it in spades and honestly this was the first movie i ever saw him in where he played a serious role and that's robin williams in goodwill hunting i fucking love this movie that is such a great movie but the scene where he's sitting there with matt damon and it was right after um the first meeting they had and they're just sitting out by the park they're at the park they're like by the lake and he just talks about how yeah you may know this and you may know that and you may have read all these books and have all the knowledge in the world but you haven't experienced shit yeah and i'm just like i i've robin williams i loved i loved mrs doubtfire he was a genie in Aladdin. At that point in my life, I had seen so much of his stuff, like just like goofy kind of just a lot of fun stuff that Robin Williams just does. This is the first time I've ever seen him in a dramatic role. And it's also the first and I think only Oscar he's ever won was for this movie. And it was just I'm compelled by it every time I've ever watched it. That's the same one where he's talking about like yeah, you can see a picture of the Sistine Chapel, whatever the fuck he's talking yeah. about. And he's like, but you don't know what it smells like. You don't, you know. don't know what it's like to stand there and look up at this painting and just yeah. be mesmerized by it. I, mm, if you that, ask him, a, if movie, I ask you about war, you can quote Shakespeare and once more into the breach, my dear friends, but you don't know what it's like to hold your friend's life in your hands. It's just like the entire thing. Like he draws you in and it's not like out of anger. It's not out of, it is just actual fact. Like he is laying it down and it's so good. And we, it, we've it, all it, had like somebody who's needed to do that with us. Oh yeah. Like it's one of those things where you can relate to it. So it's like, somebody's got to bring you back to reality pretty much. Yeah. But 100%. one of the most important things about that scene too is good. You know, like I almost called him Goodwill. <laughs> Will is one of the smartest people in the world, but he really needs to be taught a lesson in that moment. Yeah. Really, that it's it's not about being the smartest and it's not about proving a point to everybody that you've known. And like, it's really about going out and like living your life. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I love about it because it's like he needs to, part of his mandated uh, parole is that he seeks therapy and he keeps driving these therapists away. And Robin Williams... Sean McGuire, the name of the character, is the one guy he's not going to drive away. And he's saying, like, listen, I can't learn anything about you that I can't learn from a book. Do you think I know what it's like to have how hard your life has been because I read Oliver Twist? And I just love that. Like, Will is just like so like stopped. He's just like, oh shit. Maybe this guy's got something on me. And I love how he ends it. 
He just gets up and he's like, your move, chief, and walks away. Mm. Power I, play. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever told you this, Rob. Uh, I met Robin Williams. Yeah, jerk. Have you really? Mm-hmm. It was <clears throat> it was maybe a year or two before he died. Yeah. Uh, when I was working at the movie theater in MacArthur Mall uh, as a projectionist, he uh, came to see where the wild things are with i i don't know if that was his girlfriend or his wife or whatever but yeah. he was doing a college tour where he came and spoke at different colleges and he was at odu didn't have anybody with him he literally just walked in the mall and saw the movie i got a picture with him he that is he, so cool yeah he, he was he was a little upset you know what that you got a picture with him or well he was he was very much like i i don't really want to be bothered and stuff and i just want to leave and stuff so it was like we got our photos and then people started like surrounding him and and uh you know yeah. trying to tell him how much they meant you know he meant to him i mean i can kind of understand yeah. that because i'm sure especially some once you get to a certain point it's just like all right guys i just want to just leave me the hell alone i appreciate that you want to tell me how much like my mm -hmm. films mean to you but at the same time i just want to watch the fucking movie <laughs> yeah and i was so. standing at the you know the doorway to the theater screaming like you were the bomb and flopper and shit <laughs> so i don't know if he enjoyed that but no. I, I well, i'm joking though, for the record can i just say though that like will even though he's like the smartest guy out there had one of the worst like fus in history like it was one of the worst but one of the best like do you like apples how you like them apples yeah, like it was that was cool. fantastic it was stupid but it was cool at the same time like you, you think do about you like doesn't... apples it's like, like if yeah think He's about like, if you were the guy who's well like, i got a number how do you like <laughs> them apples and that just started a whole thing and then yeah, it, it was... comes back and jay and Silent bob strike back yeah. and he's like I don't know if I like them apples. <laughs> oh, that was so good. Yeah. Do you guys have one? Who's got one? I do. Well, yes. Oh, speaking of anecdotes. Oh. Mm hmm. Uh, the uh, Reservoir Dog antidote scene, I think, yeah. is one of the coolest monologues. Because not only is it progressing the story, but it takes place in the past, present, and future. Of the story. Yeah. Tim Roth is, uh, he's infiltrating like a little a crime ring and he's trying to, he's trying to like charm him and stuff and also prove that he is a criminal as well. So he's telling his story about how he was like smuggling some drugs. Yeah. And he just barely eluded the cops and he kept his cool in that situation. And it's just really cool how it how it progresses. The story's being told to him, and then he starts practicing. Yeah. And then you get to see the progression. I, I just think it's a it's it's a very cool scene. I agree. Have you seen it? Yeah. Yeah. I haven't watched it in a really long time. But... I was gonna say I yeah. think the last time I watched it was when the first time I watched it, Dustin had me sitting there watching it at his house. Did I make you watch that? Yeah. Yeah, this is one of the things. Yeah, you got to see. I, the... I do like Tim Roth. Oh, he is he is a great actor. He's very good. Yeah. No. Yeah, yeah. James, so, you got one. Yeah. So speaking of like guys who like to use pew pews, and you Sus. know, like, you gotta say that or else you'll get canceled. Um, 
or demonetized or not or banned from TikTok. We can't get banned from TikTok. That's our main source of love right now. <laughs> so main source but, of views. Yeah, and and also Dustin forcing me to watch a movie. Um, I went with Boondock Saints, the courtroom scene. It's not a monologue. It's like a speech. I mean, it's. I I don't know what they categorize it as, because it's almost like a call and response between the brothers, and then the prayer is all three of them. Yeah. So I I guess it would work as a monologue. It's it's, it's different. It's like a different kind of monologue, in my opinion. Because well, monologue literally like they're... means one. Yeah, Why? but I mean. They're all doing it. It's like it's like one speech, done by three different guys, mm-hmm. three That's different voices. Yeah, three different voices, and it's just it. It's powerful too because it's that spot where they've literally been going through this whole movie, just taking out the mob and stuff, trying to clean up the city, and they start with the Russians. Well, then it turns out that the Italians are the same thing, and this guy's just in the in his court hearing, just sitting there bullcrapping. Yeah. And he's like, he's going to get off. They really he's been untouchable for years. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, boom, doors kick open. And there they are. And I mean, they're just dropping line after line. Like, yeah. give us your poor, give us your hungry, you know. It, 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 it's, it's what they're saying that's powerful, too. Because it's, you know, it, they've lived in the, this area. And they're ready to, for all this crap to stop. Yeah. I mean, that is a very powerful scene. I, I love Boondock Saints. That is such a great movie. And that is not why I have that tattoo, by the way. Um, <laughs> if you look at the rest of my arm, it's all Celtic stuff anyway. So it's just part of a, a, a longer sleeve that I'm working on. But yeah. and, I, I do love a Celtic cross. Wake so. up every morning and listen to, you know. Dropkick Murphy's. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Like, that that, that is a very powerful scene from a very good movie. Mm-hmm. The second movie was not as good, but the but... they left it on a cliffhanger too, right? And I don't know when three's coming out. <laughs> oh god, there doesn't need to be a third that was, one. I'm that okay was with such, not being that was such a crazy cliffhanger. You're like, whoa! And I mean, they're in like this. They're in the bogey. Yeah. So, uh-huh. Caitlin, because I I was talking to my wife about this a particular episode, what we're doing, and I asked her if she had any. And hers kind of leads into my second one, sort of, because it does involve the same actor. Hers is the Gettysburg speech from Remember the Titans. Because honestly, what Caitlin told me, she was like, really, anything Denzel Washington has ever said. Oh, because Denzel is amazing. Yeah. But he wakes up like the entire team and they go for a run. And at the end of the run, they're at the battlefield in Gettysburg. And he's talking about how they're still fighting the same fights they were fighting back then and that it never seems to end and that maybe we can come together and maybe we can make it work. And it was just pretty much Denzel speaks and it's just powerful. Well, the crazy part too is like he's he's talking about where the battle happened. That's where like one of the most powerful speeches in history of the That's world, true. man, has happened. That's true. Like I, I, I still get, yeah, I still get goosebumps when I go to the Hall of Presidents, and even though it's robotic Lincoln telling it, it's still one of those like speeches that you're just like, dang, that's that's. It's still well, you're not going to hear hear actual Lincoln tell you this thing. Yeah, so. I mean, 
that's the best we're going to get is that or Daniel Day Lewis. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. but just just the fact when you put that up, it didn't even click to me until you put that up there yeah. about that speed. I was like, man, I, I can't tell you how many times I watched Remember the Titans in a row. When, when I, I was in ROTC in high school, a lot of times we would not do anything. And our, our instructors would be like, oh, let's just put on a movie. And we'd watch Remember the Titans every, at least once a week, conservatively. It was wow. a, just a really good movie. It and was. B, and V, it was just like, eh, what videos do we have? Should we watch something that pertains to the class? Nah, let's watch Remember the Titans. Because <laughs> why not? It pertains to class. It's It's done at a school. It's at leadership. Um, yeah. I guess so, but the, actually, the flipped, the opposite side of the coin to that particular Denzel Washington character is my next one, and that's Denzel in Training Day. Mm. Yeah, that other speech didn't have shit on this speech. <laughs> <laughs> like the entire movie is just like I remember Denzel just very like just seemed like he was always doing something and it was always positive. It was always like preacher's wife. And then, uh, no, not the, yeah, the preacher's wife where he plays the angel. Uh, remember the Titans and there were all these movies. And I, I'm sure there were movies before this, but I just had never seen it. But training day was the first movie I saw where it was just like, Oh, Denzel does other things too. But when he's standing there and just yelling at everyone, and King Kong ain't got shit on me and just like spit flying out of his mouth and he's mm-hmm. just like none of you ain't got nothing on me and I was like Denzel ain't nothing to fuck with <laughs> yeah because he was a man who thought he was too big to fail exactly he's, yeah he's he's broken in that moment because he, yeah. he's just he can't comprehend the fact that he just lost you know yeah so but yeah, I just Denzel is so good. Yeah, Denzel is so good. You were blowing up the chat this week, stealing all the I, good ones. That's all I got. Really I told you guys throw them in the chat before yeah. me, and you guys. Can I make start. It work. I got ready to throw one in the chat, and you threw it in there. I was like, Crap! that was. Uh, oh, are you talking about? Yeah, the one we've already discussed on the podcast before. You go ahead and take it, man. Oh, all right. Well, Runs let's it. do it. Let's let's go back to our summer blockbusters month, y'all. We're going to talk about Jaws and the, you know, the, the monologue, my brain is fried. The USS the Indianapolis. Yeah. The USS. No, I knew the boat. I just can't remember his name right now. Oh, oh, it's Robert Shaw's character. Yeah. I almost called him mm-hmm. Shaw just now, but that's his actual As, name. <laughs> oh my God. What's his name? This is why we need Jordan. Jordan, where are you? But just the worst ghost narrator, Aaron, what's the name? Dustin, you're gonna have to get him to record some of the stuff yeah. and send it in. <laughs> I'll, I'll try. Quint, 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 yes, yeah. Quint. But Thank you, like... Force Ghost narrator Aaron. <laughs> he's like, I he's got you, like... Rob. <laughs> but he's just sitting there, and he's just, you know, they're all happy-go-lucky at first, and they start, you know, going over the he's stars, stories, and everything. Yeah, yeah, and then all of a sudden, he just drops this, and it goes from <laughs> to, oh hell. Like mm-hmm. this guy's seen some shit. Yeah, They're like hanging out, and he's like, "You see this one? See this one right here? That's from a Healy accident back in two thousand one." <laughs> yeah, dang those Healys, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it, it literally goes from like 
from like zero to sixty within a second. That's true. Because just the 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 emotion. I mean, you can just see the emotion coming through the actor too. Yeah, through Robert Shaw, it was just amazing. But like at the end of it, where he's just like, and when the boat showed up to save them, and he's like, that was the most scared because I didn't know when my turn was going to be, and I didn't know if I was going to make it. It's, and he's like, out of eleven hundred men that went into the sea, only three hundred survived. And that's like the the crazy part too is it's a true story. Yeah, it's like, that real. Is like, it's like I mean, they're not they they think they're oceanic white tips, which they're those are very aggressive sharks for being yeah. small. But like, oh, the shark brought, week knowledge coming out right yeah, now. Buddy, they've done like at least three things on 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 the Indianapolis. Uh, but it's just it is freaky to see like they were they actually get some of these people to come on and talk and it's it, some of them are it's like watching robert shaw just sit there yeah. and tell his story on it so it's it's insane absolutely What's what do you got for us dustin all right i got one i got one for you guys the, have you ever heard the tragedy of darth plagueis the wise <laughs> Huh? Damn, no one thought of this one. It's May okay. already. I didn't. I feel bad for not thinking of it, but honestly, I was hoping to rely on you guys for a few more Thanks. versus me throwing out every single one. <laughs> okay. So to be completely honest, I like this one more as a meme more than anything. Yeah. But in the context of like greater lore, it is pretty amazing. Because he's sitting here and he's talking with Anakin and he's burying the lead that he's the one who fucking murdered him. <laughs> you know? And he's he's given him everything he needs in that moment. He knows what he's going through, and he's basically like, I can keep your wife from dying. It's exactly what he wants to hear. The Jedi are telling yeah. him that he's not allowed to have attachments, that he's not allowed to look into basically any ways of preventing this, this horrible future that he's seeing in his dreams. And Plagueis is like, I got you, son. Dark side. We got cookies. <laughs> yeah. Outside of that, it's just kind of a funny meme. And there's that is a really good scene, though. It is. It, it it's is. pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying it's the best, but it's definitely a good scene. And honestly, yeah. you could just tell that Anakin is like dialed into it, too. Mm -hmm. so. Is there any way to learn this? Not from a Jedi. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I got another one from Caitlin. Because Caitlin, I, I told her about this and she just gets really excited. Like, this is like, I, I, she wants to be on the show sometime. Yeah, so. I, I'll let you get back to this in a second. But like, isn't that amazing when you talk to people outside of the podcast and they get super involved in what you're talking about that week? Yeah. Like, yeah. oh, oh, I got an episode idea for you and shit. And like, yeah. talk about this. It's like, Caitlin does want to be on the show sometime. So. All right, we'll tell her. Anytime yeah. she wants to argue about whales versus force whales i got her <laughs> all right uh, mm -hmm. you guys have not seen barbie i'm assuming i just watched it it was fucking fantastic it, it is such an amazing movie it really that movie has no right to be as good as it was it was so good and i'm still disappointed that a greta gerwig did not get nominated for best director and margot robbie did not get nominated for best actress because Margot Gosling got it right ryan got it's it's the patriarchy i tell you um but it makes total sense in the context of the film that was the it, only reason i watched it by the way ryan, yeah, ryan gosling, gosling 
He got he was nominated fantastic. for greatest actress. So if my understanding is correct, right? No, it was best actor. I I thought it was actress. I don't think so. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't know. Anyways, moving it on. was like a technicality because it it somehow means like secondary. I, anyway, best supporting. Maybe actor. that's what it, I fuck. I don't know. Anyway, anyways, moving on. But uh, America Ferrero. When like Barbie's like literally broken down and she starts talking about what it's actually like to be a woman. Oh, yeah, it was a great speech. Yeah, that was so good. It's like. You can't be this, but you have to be this and this, that, and yeah. I'm just like, uh huh. I, I when I first watched that, I walk, I looked at Caitlin. I was like, I am so sorry for everything that ever happened ever in the history of man, and I'm so sorry <laughs> because I, it was James. You just have to watch it. Oh, I can't, <laughs> I can't do it justice, and I'm not about to because I good. don't want people yelling at I was, me. I never was expecting to see Dustin light up like that. <laughs> That's where my it was so oh. good, dude. I'm I'm buying me a I am Knuff shirt. <laughs> I have like. One. Do you really? Yes. Yes. Yeah, it's what he was using for his photo. Like when we were. Yeah. In the photo, hold on. Like, yeah. Huh. I mean, all I went and saw Wonka, and it sucked. Well, well you watched the wrong movie. It was yeah, between Oppenheimer and this, and I'm not sure which one. Was <laughs> Honestly, Barbie was such a good movie. It was I, I, Caitlin, because she went and saw it in theaters, and we were recording one night, and she came home, and I had her like, like on the show, be like, "All right, what did you think of the movie, Caitlin?" She's like, "It was so good," and I was like, "Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it was." The Barbie doll. Yeah, she brought her Barbie doll with her, Mm -hmm. um, but she was just saying like, it, it was just such a good movie, and I watched it with her, and I'm just like, you know what? She's right. This was such a good movie. I, I'm saying this is like a guy who's watched some like weird ass shit. Like I at one point thought that uh that is great. Um I at one point thought like the end of Evangelion the end of Evangelion had the weirdest, most like mind trippy fucking ending yeah. ever. And then I saw the end of Barbie and I was like, are we experiencing this right now? This like out of world experience where like creator is talking to creation and telling them that they can exist. <laughs> it blows your mind. Yeah. Anyway, I know this isn't a Barbie episode. We can have a Barbie episode if you want. I'll Caitlin would do that. Caitlin would be down. Would she? Yes, she would. I, I'll, right. I'm down. So I've got multiple One Piece ones. Like okay. it's hard to choose from. Okay, we're going to lose Rob if you got to choose like one. Yeah. So I'm going to choose that this one. This one works out well, though. It, it works for the like the the time or like the real world too. Okay. But uh, when does a man truly die? So the scene is this doctor is dying, um, and he it gets it's crazy. Uh, the country is forcing all the doctors to just work for the king, not work for anybody else. Uh, they're killing off all the doctors who won't, and he's against it. So he goes to the king and he's going to kill himself or to kill him and take out like a bunch of the king's people, try to take out the king too. And he's standing there and he's going off on this tangent, but he literally starts talking about when does a man die? When does a man truly die? Is it when he's stabbed? Is it when his heart stops beating? Is it when he eats a poison mushroom from a soup? In context, that was awfully he, specific. Yeah, he he was fed a poison mushroom in a soup by his uh, apprentice. 
he, by he was murdered. Yeah. Yeah. By accident. So by accident. Yeah. And he goes, No, it's when a man is forgotten. But it it, it when he when he's I think what makes it so powerful is that that forgotten is like he's really talking about, you know, the man's memory never really dies if it's passed through generations. Yeah. It that's very true. Uh one piece I think one of the the best things it does throughout the entire series is keep that theme of great men doing as much as they can while they're alive and dying before they fulfilled their purpose. Yeah. And then that purpose living on through another generation. Like it continuously another person will spring up and carry on their will generation to generation hundreds of years later no matter how oppressive governments get mm-hmm. how you know how people are oppressed it's just it continues and yeah. there's so there's so many in one piece that you could choose from and there's like they like one of them is dofi talking about you know what the government if, who's the bad guys who's the good guys mm-hmm. and th- then there's jinbei talking about how you need to live on with your brother's memory there's it it, it all just connects really when you actually think about it yeah so if you're listening at home it's only like 1100 episodes go oh only watch hey i'm at 740 so he's been diving into it yeah very proud of you jordan james good job you jordan yeah we're we're the weebs if you can't tell from all right dustin what do you got you got another (laughs) oh it's on me again holy shit okay hold up hold up ah uh okay you want to how about okay pulp fiction Ooh, the one. wrath of god speech at least oh, that's what I i'm nicknaming with the cheeseburger one it takes you know place call right a quarter pounder and <laughs> a royale with cheese <laughs> that's a more of a dialogue than a <laughs> yeah that's I, know, I was being stupid before. yeah <laughs> no um there there's no like deeper meaning behind the speech as far as i can tell it's just a cool ass speech just in all honesty yeah you 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 have this uh man who's come in here and he's trying to put the the fear god in him and in all honesty if you know anything about the bible the speech he's giving is like not in the bible at all whatsoever (laughs) it's just kind of this what the fuck moment like right before you die i guess and oddly enough it kind of plays out because he's talking about being a child of God and being, you know, his right hand and shit like that. They fire a gun at him, him and uh, Travolta's character, and they don't get hit. And it creates this like foundation for the rest of the film yeah. where he's misquoting scripture, which is kind of odd. And, uh, and seemingly God protects him for a greater purpose. Hmm. throughout the film that's true. i don't know if anybody else gathered that from the film but i that's what i got it's been a while since i've watched pulp fiction yeah yeah same here really you guys aren't a fan no I, dude i love tarantino uh-huh it's just it's just been a while like i i think i honestly my favorite tarantino film is once upon a time in hollywood oh that, that was a, a really good one yeah. yeah he's doing his final film right now yeah, that's sad. Yeah. I, I want to say it's called The Critic or The Movie Critic. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> uh, all right. 
So I'm going to the small screen now. And one of my favorite shows, ahem, um, Ted Lasso has so many just really great, like, small monologues. And if James was a little further along, there are much better ones in season two and three. <laughs> yes, Dustin. I just realized that it looks like the dialogue on your desk says, believe Die Hard is a Christmas movie. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Jordan. <laughs> That's why he should be here. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Sorry. Please believe Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Anyways, move <laughs> <on>. believe. <laughs> but uh, I will pull from season one uh, because there's, like I said, there are better ones in season two and especially in season three as they're starting to wrap up the series. But it's the most famous one, and that is the Dark Game, where. Ted is put on the line. Uh, Rupert, uh, the ex-husband and former owner of Richmond, <laughs> has come in to own a small stake in the team. And since he is now back to being an owner of the team, he could be in the owner's box. And he can talk to the press and just rip the team apart in the press. So Ted decides to challenge him to a game of darts and he's just like tossing offhanded and he's basically it's, goads him into a game. They both are trying to hustle each other is what it looks yes. like. Yes, whereas like Rupert, the character that he challenges, opens up a little like his little, almost like it almost looks like a syrup book mm -hmm. like it, oh, people used to have where it's like line of cigarettes where it's really just starts and then ted just like oh right i forgot i'm left-handed and then starts throwing and at the end of the game he starts talking about how he's always underestimated and the biggest thing about this the biggest takeaway from the the monologue was that people should be more curious than judgmental and while was, he's talking, while he's giving this speech, and it's like talking about how it used to bother him, but then it just kind of like, it was never about what they thought about me. It was about them. Because if they were curious, they'd ask a lot. They'd ask questions like, do you play a lot of darts, Ted? And he throws a dart and it lands because he has to get like two triple 20s and a bullseye in order to win the game. And to get Rupert to stop coming to the games. Uh-huh. And, and he said, and if they asked that, I'd say, yes, sir. Every every Sunday at a sports bar with my father from age of 10 to 16 when he passed away. So and, he's trying to prove a point by saying that, like, because he seemed unassuming, like he was underestimated. And like, yes. if you the, were a more like, yeah, curious person and asked more about people you would have known that you shouldn't have gone into this match exactly well, the, the biggest part too is he's doing this to rupert but at the same time you don't realize and i didn't realize it till like the third time i watched it he's also talking to the people behind him in the sports bar or in the pub yeah. that he's at because they're like some of his biggest critics yeah because they're fans of the team yeah. and they talk constant shit about him but he's just like takes it all He's just like, okay, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, I have no clue what I'm doing either. But 
but that's the thing. And over the series, he turns this turns people around on him to where the point where like he has the support of the community and the people around like him and think he's a good manager. So it's it's just it's an incredible speech and honestly just a, a such a great show. I love Ted Lasso. That's some good writing because like honestly, if if it was like the same scene, but like he pulled a quarter from behind his ear or some shit, they would have yeah. been like fucking lame. <laughs> like, oh, you could do magic tricks, Ted Lasso. So yeah. cool. Like, yeah, but oh, it, it was yeah. it was so good. Yeah, I'm gonna have to send it to you, Dustin, just so you can. Yeah, I, oh, well, I, I put it in the I, chat. I re- I will watch it. I yeah. I will get around to it. I swear. It might take me another five years, but I'll do it. But if Honestly, will I think there. it was it was a clip of something that made me go and be, oh, let me watch Ted Lasso. It it's just a good show. It's just I, really a nice show. I have never met a person that watched it and did not say it was good and yeah. worth watching. So that should tell you something. It does. Probably do you guys have good. any more? Yeah, well, while while we're on the the I, I, oh, you go ahead, Dustin. I'll finish it with a comedy one. I got only one. Okay. Oh, I got uh, like three more. So. Oh, you okay? I'll finish mine. I've now. got a lot. <laughs> okay. Well, I got my last good one. Let me put it that way. Okay. Breaking Bad, which Rob, you said you have not seen. You got one more because I gave you one. Oh. Okay. I know what it was. So you got okay. one more after that. Okay, I got okay. one more after this. Okay. <laughs> I forgot. It's been a long day, Rob. Okay. Anyway, Breaking Bad. Rob, you have not seen it, correct? Nope. James, have you seen it? He has not seen it. Okay. That's a no. <laughs> so Breaking Bad is the story of Walter White. He uh, was a chemistry professor. He, he is a, the dude is a genius, right? And he had started a company with two of his friends and got into a situation where he desperately needed some money and took a buyout of his own company for like, I think it was like, I don't know, like a grand or something. And then it became like the biggest company in the world. And the dude is like a high school professor making the bare minimum amount of money and finds out one day, despite never smoking cigarettes, never doing anything like that, that he has lung cancer and he's about to leave his family with all of his medical bills and all of the debt. Like he's just now having like a kid. He has like a kid with disabilities at the moment. And he's just like, I can't do this. Right. And ends up making crystal meth with like one of his, his previous students, because through a series of events, he finds out that the kid does crystal meth and like makes it and shit yeah and he's like i'm smart enough guy i can figure this out but throughout the course of the series he is a horrible fucking man i just want to point that out right and he keeps oh he's on not tell- the world's best dad <laughs> no i he's, he's an awful man jamie <laughs> yeah no he, he is really awful he uh through the course of the series he he tells people that he's doing it for the right reasons and he is trying to leave them in a financially good spot and uh you know oh i have to murder somebody but it's for the right reasons and he's been he's been using all these lies he's been lying to everybody he knows 
and masking the truth. And then there's this moment where his wife, Skylar, confronts him. And she's like, what if somebody comes here and kills us? What if, like, these are dangerous people? And the facade breaks for, like, the first time in front of her. And he says, I am the danger. I am the one who stands at the door and knocks. And it's just this, like, chilling fucking moment of realization when you realize that this man is the monster. He is not he is not a good man doing bad things. He is a bad man who's been pretending to be good throughout this entire series. That's that's intense, man. It is. It is it is fucking chilling. If you haven't watched it for any goddamn reason, Breaking Bad might be the best series of television there is. It is fantastic. And it ends on a fantastic note. Except there's a bug involved at some point. A bug? The bug episode? Oh, the fucking Ryan Johnson episode. (laughs) Jordan's wrong. It is the worst episode of Breaking Bad. He likes it because it's different. And you know what? It's different because it's bad. (laughs) (laughs) So so what you're saying is they they broke the streak with a bad episode. So it was... Yes, they they broke bad. With that episode, yes, yeah. I see what you're going for there. You're, the the dad jokes are coming through. <laughs> Just fast and furious. Okay, I I got one, and this is from a master of the craft, Morgan Freeman and Shawshank Redemption. Because at this point, because it's towards the end of the movie, and he goes to a parole hearing, and the board is there, and. <laughs> He's an older man now, and he's just like, I've been in prison for so many years, and honestly, I just don't give a flying fuck anymore. You let me out, I'll do it again. (laughs) (laughs) I I like that SNL did a skit like that, whereas like Keenan Thompson was just like, like, I would like a man. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just like very similar, like, no, we are going to kill you. You are not going to be on parole. But no, in this particular scene where it's like, it's like, do you feel like you've been rehabilitated? And like, that's a made up word. That is nonsense to me. If I could go back and talk to that man, I would. And I would tell him not to do it. But at the same time, you just check whatever box you need to check. Because I don't care. And the guy just stares at him. And the very next thing you see is him stamping approved. And he goes paroled. I was just like, but I just Morgan Freeman is just a master of just being able to pull you in. Oh, and he's so got like the best voice in cinema. He does. Mm-hmm. Him, Denzel, Sam Jackson, because he's just because it, it's all like different degrees of being able to just deliver. So, but I, I just, that's, I, I, I have two more after this. So I know you guys have, I know Dustin has one more. I've got I, two. I realized I have two. You have two. Yeah. All right. I mean, I could do two, but yeah. All right, if you could do two, that's good. All right. If you guys want. So let's go, let's go back to the 1980s guys. Okay. Where it's our time, our time down here. 
Oh, my uh, fucking God. Animal House. <laughs> no, that's Goonies. My yeah, yeah, it's Goonies. Oh, Goonies, is it Goonies? My okay. Yeah, my bad. Goonies never you, say die. Yeah, Goonies, Goonies never, never give monologues. <laughs> the craziest part is this awesome little monologues coming from, what, 12-year-old mm-hmm. um, Sean Astin? Yep. So, I mean, and then he goes on to give another great monologue in Lord of the Rings. So, I mean, the, the guys, I mean, we, we, he's, the guy's an obviously good actor, even though oh, he doesn't we, take like the greatest roles. Nobody but, put Lord of the Rings on their list. I had it on mine, actually. I just wow. thought about it. And that's why I brought it up is because I thought about it as I was talking about Sean Astin, the speech where he's, where he's talking to Frodo about carrying on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was Although it, also at the end of two towers. Yeah. It's like. Oh, I forgot. I forgot. The whole like, there's goodness in the world, and it's worth fighting for. We could. Do Sean Ason is so good. Yeah. He is. He was the hero of that movie. Sam that speech. Should, yeah. Sam's the hero. Mm-hmm. Go see them play it's live. Just about every movie. Good. Anyways, moving on. Yeah. He's Sorry. like, you really shouldn't have been chosen as the ring bearer, Mister Frodo. It should have been me. <laughs> You're really bad at your job, Mr. Frodo. Yeah. So I'm going to have to do it for you, I guess. You keep yeah. trusting this little bald fella over here. <laughs> yeah. You keep oh, bitching fucker. and complaining, but I'll I'll carry you on my back all the way up to Mount Mordor. <laughs> but like even even like what we're just saying like he was a kid and he's dropping this this little monologue down uh, getting wet. I mean, it had to be wet and cold stuff on the sound stage. But it just, it, to this day, it still inspires so many people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, and a we, powerful speech from such a young kid is not, it's yeah. not easy. No yeah. All right, Dustin. Yeah. Oh, it's me again. Okay. Yes, it's back to you. Me again, Margaret. Okay. Uh, let me, let me give you the, the easy one, I guess. Uh, this one was suggested to me, <laughs> but it makes a lot of sense. The taken speech the oh yeah yeah it is uh probably one of the most iconic that's true at this point monologues (laughs) and cinema where you know his daughter gets kidnapped and he's like i have a very particular set of skills i will find you and i'll murder your ass (laughs) have y'all have y'all ever seen seth mcfarland doing the uh taking speech as graham norton yeah yeah James, can you look law. up the the speech and do it real quick? <laughs> I probably could actually. I will find we'll, you. We'll save that for I the end. That'll be our closer. So, okay. All right. So my next one, second to last, small screen once again. Have you guys ever watched Newsroom with Jeff Daniels? No, I've I seen haven't. clips of it. So Jeff Daniels, who is. Newsroom was done right after the West Wing. And it was done by Aaron Sorkin. Same guy? Aaron Sorkin is the one who created the West Wing. He also wrote uh, and directed uh, The American President with Michael Douglas, also starring Martin Sheen. And honestly, a lot of the people from the West Wing, like especially side characters, were in The American President, too. And they actually show up in Newsroom as well. Wait, the same characters? Not the same characters. It's not the same characters. It's just Aaron Sorkin. Oh. But Newsroom is about basically a 24-hour news channel and one of the shows that they do. Jeff Daniels is, plays the the anchor for the show. Is it fire? Like a, 
it's honestly, I really love it. Isn't it like but, a take on like Fox News or something like that? No, because he is a he is a Republican, yeah. but it's very much from a leftist uh, point of view. Gotcha. Regardless, this is literally the most famous scene from that show, and that is America is not the greatest country anymore. And he goes on like this entire rant about why what America is best or, or like ranked number one for and what they aren't. But he like tears this college student apart and these two people who are on the panel with him. And then he's like, at the end, he's like, we weren't like this before. And then he we have just out been... his MAGA hat. <laughs> just no, thinking, no but that's Trump the thing. It's it. not. He starts talking about how we were we were never this scared before. We did things because they were right. We did things because they were moral. And now we just do it because we're scared. Not and because like, they were easy, because they were hard. But he's like, like the greatest thing about it is like the reason we were able to be all these things is because we were well informed by like news people who were not afraid to tell the truth. And like, and then like at the end of it, it's just like so quiet you can hear a pin drop because it was the professor on the stage that asked him like was the great what makes america the greatest country in the world and he wouldn't let him go without giving like an actual answer so when like seen this speech before actually probably have but it's just like you what is like just a moment where so quiet you could hear a pin drop and he looks over at the professor he's like is that enough and this like end of that scene but dude go and find it it is such a good scene and jeff daniels is amazing. I wish I saw him in uh, To Kill a Mockingbird because uh, he did the stage rendition of To Kill a Mockingbird where he plays Atticus Finch, which was also produced by Aaron Sorkin. By the way, I just looked at it in the chat. I have seen the speech before. It was fantastic. Yeah. It is amazing. I was going to say, I made the rounds around like at least Facebook and like all the other stuff. For oh, while. yeah. Yeah. Man, so. I did not know that. I love me some West Wing. Well, this is the new show. It's on HBO Max. Well, I'm just saying, like, I, I liked that. I didn't know that. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's similar. Mm. So, anyways, who's who wants to take? Well, I think it's my turn. Yeah, it's your turn. Go Let's go get goofy. Oh, God. Because mine aren't goofy at all. We're going to go to the Animal House. Oh, God. Come on, guys. Think about it. This is one of the craziest yet, like, best speeches out there because he's he's just yeah like he's just spouting nonsense like did did we quit when the germans bombed pearl harbor and one guy goes to interrupt they're like hold on hold on he's on to something here (laughs) let him cook (laughs) let him him cook cook, you know and he just keeps going on and then all of a sudden he starts naming all these people you know so-and-so dead dead and he says another name and then all of a sudden they start joining in with him dead yeah he may be psychotic but he's right (laughs) And then he goes on to be a politician at the end of the movie. They tell you that he's like a politician. That's true. Yeah. So it's, it's like one of the funniest things. Like, I mean, you just don't expect Bluto, John Belushi's character, to just bust this out. Now, yeah. now is this like a critique of American politics? Like, it just it's all about the <laughs> charisma of a character, not actually the content of their speech that makes it great. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Oh, that's scary. Like we have one guy who can't walk to the podium without being helped. He has to be shown where it's at. 
Oh no, we had one no, guy we're, we're not doing word. politics, James. <laughs> we have one guy who can't say you know the word for nuke. We have one that's, guy. <laughs> so 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 Dang Dustin, what's your last one, buddy? I have a little story about mine. To be completely honest, yeah, me and James have oh, a long yeah. history of just going to see any and every movie that exists, especially when we lived. You know, uh, what was it like? Three four minutes away from each other. Yeah, and Dustin worked at a theater, so there's a lot of times that we just I, got in every night. I literally yeah. got a job in a movie theater so we could go see movies for yeah. free. <laughs> I, I'm not even joking. We saw like one time we Honestly, saw every really movie in that theater that we finally were just like, let's go see Twilight. Yeah, yeah. Because we've anyway. seen everything else. So, I was visiting him, and uh, we were just going to see any and every movie that was in the movie theater. And one night we saw something with uh, Keanu Reeves in it. And we were just like, what is this movie? And I was like, I've never seen a trailer or anything. It's called John Wick. I don't know what this is, right? He's like, I don't know what this is either. So fuck it. Let's go see it, right? We go in there. We're like, holy shit, that's William Dafoe. Well, that's pretty cool, right? And we thought it was going to be this drama because it is this man. Time out. Where, where, where's William Defoe? William Defoe isn't in that movie. I think you're talking about um Ian McShane. William Defoe's in that movie. I think you're mixing um, up Defoe and McShane. No, hold on. You're talking about the guy who runs the hotel, right? No, I'm talking about his assassin buddy, the one that gets killed at the end of the film. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Y'all want to sit the fuck down and let me cook? Shut up. <laughs> sorry okay anyway getting getting back to my story anyway so me and james we're hanging out we're going to see this movie and it seems to be this very sad sad moment of uh him losing his wife and uh goes to the funeral his friend william defoe william fucking defoe willem <laughs> willem fucking defoe shows up you know gives him a pat on the back and tells him it's going to be all right and he gets this dog and you know it seems to be this uh this drama i will say right? it was a cute little beagle it was it was fucking adorable right i, I, I love beagles so and then out of nowhere these russians come in and they murder the dog and we're like where is this going was it well technically it's just because he wouldn't give them a car he wouldn't sell them the car yeah, yeah. He wouldn't sell him the car. They come in, they murder his dog. And we're like, what is happening in this film? The guy goes back to his dad and he smacks the fuck out of him because he messed with John Wick. And he starts explaining that this man, he once saw him stab a man to death with a number two pencil. <laughs> He the is three guys in a bar with a pencil. He was the one who said to kill the fucking boogeyman. Yeah, the boogeyman, the Baba Yaga. And we're just like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> he takes off his shirt. He's got like, only God can judge me in Russian, <laughs> like tattooed on his fucking back and some like guns and shit and like all these tattoos all over his body and yeah. stuff. And we're like, what is happening? Bill really it, messed it up. It blew our mind. I don't, James. Am I lying? No, man. We were sitting there. We we're like, what? You know what's going? 
and then they start he starts hammering down and stuff. Mm-hmm. And like everything, he starts going off and taking out everybody. And we're like, oh, oh, like yeah. the guy in the bathroom. We're like, oh god. I, I think still, was, you don't hurt a man's dog. Yeah, I still think this is a testament to just going and seeing movies. One hundred percent blind, just going because it has an like an actor in it. Yeah, no trailers, Honestly, no reviews, nothing. That speech probably is one of the best I've seen because it literally sets up the rest of the story. Well, it's also it sets up. It also gives you enough backstory of the character, and it like it is delivered in such a way that you're like, oh, things are about to get serious here. Mm-hmm. So. And- it is the pinnacle. It is the genius of John Wick as a franchise. Keanu Reeves, he might be beloved. We all love him. Yeah, he's amazing. He, yeah, good guy. Absolutely, he's breathtaking. He's Keanu Reeves, if you will. Right? He is not the greatest actor that exists. Hot take. I know. Right. That's fine. We don't but they care. kept his lines to a minimum, and they let fantastic actors act around Keanu Reeves. Yeah. And do the acting for him. I, I did like John Leguizamo in that movie. Oh because when he got the call from Vigo and he's just like, I heard you struck my son. I'm like, Yes, I did. He's like, Why? I'm like, he stole John Wick's car and killed his dog. And the guy's just like, Oh, oh. hang up. Yeah, and then his son could walk in and he's like one hundred percent get it. This was a terrible idea. Can you imagine? Right, so I just love how he says, shit. you know. He, he's going to come from you. Yeah, and there's he's coming. Nothing you nothing... can do. You will do nothing because there's nothing, there's nothing you, you can, can do. do. Yeah. So. And then he calls her, be like, "Listen, can we just work this out somehow?" And just like hangs up, and just like, "Well, we're all screwed." <laughs> mm-hmm. So, I will give you guys one more. I have about four or five more that I could give you. We need to I just have... have a sequel. I have two out. Al- we really just need to do a sequel episode. I have two Al Pacino ones that I did not bring up: "Scent of a Woman" and "City Hall." Wow, indeed, sir. I have so many that I could give you, but honestly, I gotta go to one of my favorite movies of all time. And I started with him, and I have to end with him. And that's Robin Williams in the Dead Poets Society. There are so many great moments in that movie from his talk about conformity to I let out my barbaric yelp. W.W. Uncle Walt, Walt Whitman. But my favorite one is when he pulls the guys in, like his students said, And he's like, medicine, engineering, politics, these are all noble pursuits. But we don't do poetry for noble pursuits. We we don't do it to keep us alive. We do it to make us feel alive. And that we can all contribute a verse in this lifetime. And then he looks at Ethan Hawke's character, who is pretty much the most timid person in the movie. And he's like, you could tell when he's looking at each student, he is trying to put this into their soul. And he looks at Ethan Hawke and he delivers the guess like what 
will your verse be? If you have never seen Dead Poets Society, so many great young actors before they actually became great actors were in that movie. You have never seen Dead Poets Society, really? No. I think I've seen clips of it. It's been a while, too. I, I cannot recommend this movie highly enough. Robin Williams, like especially for being a young kid that has only seen like his goofier movies like Flubber, Mrs. Doubtfire, Aladdin, like Hook, which wasn't really a goofy movie, but you know oh. he also played was playing Peter Pan. Uh, I got really sad undertones. That's awesome. But seeing Goodwill Hunting, seeing Dead Poet Society, seeing One Hour Photo, which blew my mind seeing him in that it, dead poet society is 100% one of the probably top three movies I've ever seen him in easy. So, oh. and we will have to do a sequel episode and actually have Jordan contribute to because he, be he did, he did send some stuff into the chat, but I didn't want to take any of his just in case it got to a point where we this episode this episode has gone on a really long time. Yeah. So, so uh, I feel like this is we will have to do a sequel episode somewhere down the line where we talk more about monologues. But we are also going to do later uh, later on uh, other favorite things we like about movies, like um, maybe specific scenes that we enjoy from our favorite movies or oh, battle cool. scenes, fight scenes, things like that. Um, I don't know. We're, we just we just want to talk about our favorite things. Because when the dog barks, when the bee stings, when I'm feeling sad, I simply remember my favorite things, and then I don't feel so bad. Sound of music? Anyone? No. Anyways, I, I anyways, a slow clap. Oh, I appreciate you, Dustin. Sorry, I wasn't yeah. looking at my computer. Well, uh, to reference uh, James's uh, Boondock Saints, we need to make like a leaf and get the fuck out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, hey, I, I, so, so I, I've got the Taken speech pulled up. If you guys want to do this, we have to do the whole goddamn speech. <laughs> it's not. That no, obvious. I don't think we it's need to. Paragraph. Anyways. <laughs> anyways, I, how about you film it for a TikTok? Okay. All right, that's fine. Okay. Uh, let's end the episode and then we can film it for TikTok. Yeah. All right. Uh, that's it. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash the Centerway Society or TikTok, tiktok.com slash at the symbol, the Centerway Society. Uh, obviously, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, yeah, you can listen to our entire first season and all of our episodes we haven't put until this season. Uh, here in season two, this is episode four. Uh, episode five next week. Uh, there won't be an episode five next week because it's Valentine's Day and oh. we're super busy next week. So I don't think mm-hmm. we're going to do an episode next week. Oh, yeah. wow, wow. I have my anime figures. To take yes. <laughs> so, uh, so, but after that, um, what is our next episode? Oh, 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 is it directors? oh it's director's cut. Hey. Where we finally get to do our deep dive on Kevin Smith. So I am super excited for that. That'll be in two weeks' time. Uh, until then, um, I hope you guys enjoyed this, and we will see you for our director's cut, where we tackle Kevin Smith. Bye, everyone. I'll see you next time. Day.